And now, proper propaganda. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is. They call me Q Ward. You are listening to Civic Cipher. Listen to me. Um, and we're two. Two years old. Doing the show for two years. Um, and we are celebrating that with some more positive stories, some more positive outcomes. And there's a lot more to stick around for. Of course, we were going to take it all the way back to the beginning, our way black history fact. We're going to be talking about Freedom's Journal, which was the first black owned and operated newspaper in the United States. We here at Civic Cipher stand on the shoulder of giants. And those were the first to uh, try to create a lane for a black voice. And so we're very grateful and, and excited to be able to share their story as well. Um, we're also going to be talking about, again, some more positive things that have happened uh, in in the media and with respect to black people and I guess a general plight of black folks. So a lot to stick around for. But um, before we get to all that, let's discuss becoming a better ally. Baba. So today's Baba comes to you sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly magazine. And this comes via JP Morgan Chase directly from their website. So um, what they're doing is building existing investments and helping drive inclusive growth growth by committing 30 billion, that's billion with a B dollars by the end of 2025 to advance economic growth and opportunity for black Hispanic and Latino communities. Um, there's been much said about reparations. There's been much said about, you know, supporting black business. There's been much said about, um, you know, economic equality um, and equitable economic uh, landscape for uh, all people to engage um, in the uh, in, in, capital, in this capitalistic society and some people have a little bit more in the way of barriers to entry than other folks so when people literally put their money where their mouth is obviously we need to applaud that so um, the purpose of this is to originate additional home purchase loans for black and Hispanic and Latino households finance the creation and preservation of affordable housing units in underserved communities help black Hispanic and Latino households achieve lower mortgage payments through refinance loans provide additional loans to small business that's key in major majority black hispanic and latino communities help people open low-cost checking and savings accounts invest capital and deposits in black hispanic and latino owned mdis and cdfis and uh here's a quote from david murray global head of diversity equity and inclusion at jp morgan chase and co quote aiming to be the bank of choice for all we are breaking down barriers to lead with diversity equity and inclusion and drive inclusive economic growth all over the world so shout out to jp morgan chase for putting their money where their mouth is uh speaking of which if you want to support some black causes you can support civic cipher the very one you're listening to right now all of our apps where you can donate are at civic cipher if you want to become a patron if you want to send a cash app if you want to do a venmo any of that stuff um it helps the show grow and obviously we've experienced a tremendous amount of growth um, a lot of that comes from donations and support um, I want to take a moment to talk about our positioner. Um, so this is going to take us back a bit. Our positioner um, is broadcasting the balance, defending the discourse. Um, this is something that 
you might see in our press materials if you engage to that degree, you know, here and there. Um, and a positioner is a term that basically, in, in radio at least, in broadcasting, it's a term that uh, kind of positions you in the marketplace. Basically, a short, brief passage usually sounds pretty catchy, um, and it helps people that have never heard of your show before kind of identify what you're about. So um, my first radio station was Power 92.3. Their positioner was Where Hip Hop Lives. Okay, you following? All right. So our positioner is broadcasting the balance, defending the discourse. And this has kind of been central to our focus um, since starting this show. And for a long time, and, and I think for a long time into the future, what that means is we are broadcasting the balance of our stories, of our lives. You know, we, we do our best to partner with hip-hop stations, um, but we don't refuse partnerships in, in radio or in any other media space um, because we recognize the importance of getting the word out. Um, but we, with hip-hop stations in particular, we recognize that it very much paints a one-sided or otherwise a limited view of what it means to be a black person in this country. And that can be very misleading to people who wish to be allies to black people. That can be also misleading to black people where they might tune in to, you know, celebrate their own culture, their own music, their own dances, their own fashion, their own language, you know, et cetera. And we are not just, I say this all the time, we are not just rappers. We're not just singers. You know, that's like looking at, you know, like an Asian person and thinking that they do karate. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's one part of a, a exceptionally rich and beautiful culture. Um, but that's the part that you see in the movies and so forth. Right. So when we approached um, this show and we came up with our positioner, the idea was that we were going to bring some balance to those airwaves. We were going to talk about what it really means to be black. And we were going to give instruction to our allies who tune into hip hop stations um, who may not themselves be black, but obviously are, are, are there are brothers and our sisters and they celebrate our culture. We celebrate theirs. We are out, you know, celebrating on different holidays, you know, Cinco de Mayo, Columbus day, you know, not Columbus day, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, what's the other one I was thinking of? Uh, St. Patrick's day, you know, things like this. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we just kind of felt like, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to bring some, again, balance to what it is that people are exposed to in these spaces, you know? And I think that for today's show, while we're here, balance will mean something a little different. Balance will mean positive stories because I don't want to mislead anyone and I don't want to misrepresent my people. We are not just born to die. And we are not just born to suffer. And we are not just born to be sad. We deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. 
And I think it's important that we affirm that. And today we obviously have a, a tremendous opportunity. We can't divorce ourselves from the reality. Obviously, this show exists to deal with the real. You know, there's lots of celebration of black culture and, and American culture and, you know, whatever it is that your culture is, um, even perhaps on the station that you're listening to us on. You know, but we do have to deal with the real because we feel like oftentimes we're the only ones doing that. But for the people that set their clock to wake up sometimes early or stay up late or listen to this show and, you know, whichever city you're in, if you're in, you know, Bellingham, if you're in Portland, if you're in New Orleans, if you're in Detroit, you know, wherever you are, shout out to the motor. Um, for those of you who, you know, tune into this show specifically, it's important that we share positive stories. It's important that you know that you listening, you fighting, you marching, you voting, you registering people to vote, you participating in the democratic process, um, that it does create a ripple effect. And that ripple effect ultimately creates change. Again, we're playing the long game. And black people historically have played the long game. We have, we're just currently at the front lines of a battle that's been going on for hundreds of years. The names that we discuss on our way black history fact each week, you know, a lot of those people have passed away. A lot of those stories happened before our great grandparents were born even. So, you know, we do recognize that, you know, this is a long game, but we also recognize that we've come a long way. And so, um, I wanted to take a moment to make sure you kind of understood that broadcasting the balance and defending the discourse, our positioner for the show, um, not only means bringing, you know, balance to, you know, whatever radio station you're listening to, but also that we try to have some balance here as well so that you recognize that, you know, um, our efforts are not in vain. And of course, defending the discourse means defending our right to have these conversations because obviously the show was very much born out of us getting choked out from having very necessary conversations. And the people that were choking us out were people that were, they didn't look like us. They were using our culture to make money and they didn't care if enough to let us try to save our own lives. And that, that still hurts me. I don't know why it's, you know, it's obviously been a very long time, but it very, very much hurts me because I knew those people. You knew those people. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. You spent so many years there. Yeah. And I, I, I even talked to, you know, the people that work with me in the corporate space now uh, about kind of fooling yourself into believing that this company cares more about you than its bottom line. Right. Ultimately, a lot of times corporate America will remind you, I mean, yeah, we like you and you're cool. Right. But we all we got, you just work here. So that's that's what I was thinking. But so watch this. So to your point, Q, um, at the time when I quit my old radio station, I had worked there for 12 years. Um, I was the most tenured employee. I There was nobody that worked there longer than me. The only person who had been there longer was the person who owned the business. Everybody had every position had turnover. Um. Prior to, you know, resigning, I was told by the general manager something that 
confused me later on, but at the time felt like kind of felt like it made sense because of course I'd been there for a long time. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, I, I do my best to try to deliver good content in this space. You know, I, I am a broadcaster. I've leaned a hundred percent into it. This is what I know. The general manager pulled me into his office one day and he told me, he says, um, you know, we've never really took a, an inventory, if you will, of what we had here at the radio station. Um, and, you know, just so you know, in radio, the morning show is the big show and the afternoon show is the second big show, even though oftentimes in the afternoon you get more listeners, right? I wasn't on either show. I was, I forgot what time slot I was doing. It might've even just been a weekend time slot, but, you know, I had a presence on the website and this was the, uh, the way that the station could kind of gauge engagement, listener engagement. And the general manager of that radio station told me, he said that you, uh, the engagement for your page on our website is twice as high as the next uh, link, and that's for the morning show. And he says, what I want to do is kind of pick your brain and get a sense of how it is that you're so popular among our listener base and try to teach the other folks how to engage with our listeners in i hope way. you guys hear this <laughs> not hey you're by far the most popular talent we have here we need to build a better show around you and give you more resources no we want to pick your brain on how you're so great at what you do and give that to our other people <laughs> god bless america well so be because of because of that conversation i felt like they and 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 the way that it was given to me was like yo you know what's going on with the people and, you know, to your point earlier, you know, when it came time to get out there and get busy, I wasn't, you know, sitting up on my the high horse. I'm not getting out in the streets and protesting. No, I got I took this body that I was born into and I took my babies and we went outside and we stood in our place among the ranks and we held those signs with those names on it. Brianna Taylor, those people that should be here right now. We weren't, we, we were all equal. We, I, I'll always be equal. I, I'm not one of those people that thinks anything crazy. You know what I mean? I, I think I'm just a person and this is what I do for a living. You can see me at the grocery store. I'm going to look real bummy because I ain't got to impress nobody anymore. Anyway, I thought that because they knew based on that conversation just two or three months prior, um, uh, two or three months prior to COVID hitting, um, that they knew that I was kind of tapped into what the people wanted. And so asking for 30 minutes a week to be able to, you know, share our, uh, you know, broadcast the balance and defend the discourse <laughs> 30 minutes a week didn't feel like such a tall ask because I thought that they would be all over it. Also speak to that specific 30 minutes. I don't want people to just think 30 minutes on a clock and all this stuff that radio has going on. Sure. Speak yeah. to them about the 30 minutes that we requested. So what we were trying to do was we wanted 30 minutes. I want them to hear how easy it would have been for yeah. them to say yes. So we wanted to get 30 minutes. I'm glad you asked a question. Here. We wanted 30 minutes on the radio so that uh, we could bring up folks to interview the people that were leading the marches so forth and just have the conversations about what we wanted um we would have taken any time slot that meant that you could have put us on sunday morning at 4 a.m 
it would have been fine. The thing is, the radio station provided a degree of credibility to the interview and to the movement, and it kind of fortified um, the, the media position. And I thought that could be used in a strategic way for those people on the streets. I didn't think my whole life was going to go in that direction. I was thinking it was the right thing to do. Now, um, 30 minutes in a weekend overnight time slot means that your commercial inventory is worth pennies. You know what I mean? Those, those commercials aren't worth a whole lot. Um, also, there is the potential to um, do uh, what. So the, the FCC, the, the government mandates that stations have some form of community service, not just uh, radio, but anything that broadcasts a signal. So TV stations, if it's in this country, the Federal Communications Commission says you have to broadcast something to your community that helps the community. This is why you hear don't drink and drive commercials, this stuff, right? Um, there's no money involved with that. They have to do it. Okay. So we would have taken that time slot. It would have been totally fine. Wouldn't have been opposed to it. You know, we felt that this was in line with that sort of mission. Um, so you're saying we didn't, we would have taken an unpaid. Oh yeah. There was no money involved. We wouldn't free, even, we wouldn't even <laughs> free mandated space. Sure. Yeah. That should have been dedicated to community service anyway. Right. We would have been creating this content for them for free and a space where nobody's advertising. And according to them, maybe nobody's listening. I'll take it a step further. Um, that's interesting because you're absolutely right. Maybe nobody's even listening at this time. So, but I'll take it a step further. Um, we weren't even necessarily the ones who were going to, to host this show. No, not, they not, could, not, they not necessarily. Because even after a yes, they had a person in mind. It wasn't Quentin or Ramses. Right. We don't have to say who. Yeah. But this was not us trying to put ourselves on. Yeah. We, we were already on. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> but we would have produced and created and curated the content and everything. Yeah. All they would have had to do is turn a mic on, record it for 30 minutes yeah. and then broadcast. So so this is the, the point I'm making. I was like, you guys can put, you know, if so bear in mind that Q and I, we at the time were doing rather more and we had more visible time slots. So we would have had to had we would have had to do extra work. Um, we would have had to set up meetings, you know, create, you know, the content, as you as you mentioned, produce it, edit it, send it to air every week. Right. And they could have taken one of the interns or someone in development and put them on that show, because remember, it's it's just necessary. It's not like I, I don't need that to be the man. You know, I already. I was on TV, I was on billboards and magazine covers and everything like that for many years. That wasn't, I wasn't going to be on Sunday morning at 4 a.m. And like all of a sudden, you know, hit my stride. You know what I mean? So it, 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 I'm, I'm glad that you asked that question because, yeah, it was a very easy thing to say yes to. I know radio well enough to know how, how to put together that proposal to where it wouldn't have impacted the bottom line at all. So anyone who has ever stood in the way of this progress hold on i gotta cut you off Go you say it would not have impacted the bottom line there was no way for it to negatively impact the bottom line mm -hmm. we've learned in several meetings that we've had since launching this show mm -hmm. that there are a bunch of ways it could have impacted the bottom line in a positive way sure yeah yeah because there are a bunch of advertisers 
who want to be on the right side of this topics that we breach. So there was a 0% chance that there would have been a negative impact to the station to air 30 minutes a night, overnight, Sunday, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning on this unrated low advertisement necessary time slot. Sure. Well, you know, the good news is that um, now we're on in rather, you know, better time slots or all, all over the country. And we have a full hour a week, which again is not everything, but we'll take it. You know, everybody's got to start somewhere again. We're playing the long game and having been on for two years, there's a few more things that I think that it's important to share things that we look back on and we say, well, look, I'm happy to see that. Um, one of the things is, you know, um, there's been black Barbies for a very long time. Um, there's been historical figures that have, you know, they've paid homage to with, you know, Barbie dolls. But uh, recently, Mattel introduced a new historical Barbie in honor of Madam C.J. Walker. And we think that that is something that is amazing. We, obviously, again, Black Girl Magic. We in, in 2020, we saw in our city, we saw Black women out there marching shout out to zara shout out to mimi um you know we, we saw them out making it happen with bullhorns and they we saw these people crying we saw these people you know we saw the passion and we learned the strategy and we learned what was necessary and we were able to recognize that okay here's we we need to find a, a meaningful contribution and you know we're always going to be hopeful that this contribution is the right one. So um, black girl magic is something again, that we always celebrate here. So the fact that Barbie has made a Madam CJ Walker doll um, recently, that's something that we feel is positive um, for those that followed the story about the children that were ignored at the Sesame street parade. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we, call attention to the fact that uh i think it was at disneyland that um jesse the the woody's counterpart in the movie toy, toy story um there was a video that came out afterwards where jesse ran over to the little black children and gave them a big hug and to me that looks like okay these things that we're bringing attention to are resonating with people um i'll take it a step further snoop dogg released a children's cartoon series doggy land um, with kids songs and nursery rhymes and things like that. So we're seeing black faces and black characters in these spaces increase. Um, and uh, I want to also talk about the, um, there's a, uh, the college board that launched the first ever AP program in African-American studies. Um, so this, there's a whole uh, article from education week um, that I, I can't get into the whole thing, but you know, because we've had to deal with CRT and, and the war on really American history, the fact that, you know, the college board launched the uh, AP program in African-American studies, that's something that we feel is very special as well. Um, and something that, uh, again, we've accomplished in the past couple of years by having these really important conversations. Um, and then moving forward, um, we're going to be talking more about reparations, um, we're going to obviously continue growing into more cities. Uh, hopefully before the end of the year, we'll be able to make a major announcement. 
Um, we're going to continue giving you uh, resources to become a better ally. Um, and we're just going to keep doing our best for you. So, you know, um, again, I, I can't say it enough. Thank you for your support these past two years. Um, we'll see you on our third anniversary with a lot more to talk about. Um, but, you know, we'll leave that right there. And now it's time for the Way Black History Fact. Um, and this one is sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly Magazine. The article comes from PBS. And again, we're going to talk about really the origins of black media. Now, we've shared a bit about our story and what it took to get this show off and to grow it to where it is now. Um, but we've done this in a modern world and we recognize every time I, I read away black history fact, I recognize that the social conditions around the goings on in the story cannot be overlooked. The social climate of these people trying to accomplish something, do something, make some sort of change cannot be overlooked. And I try my best not to overlook that. But in this instance, because they do, you know, this is a media outlet and we're talking about the uh, Freedom's Journal, which again is a media outlet. Our story times 10, you know, in terms of the struggles and in terms of all the things that need to be overcome, you know, uh, I, I, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been and the fight that it must have taken inside of all the people responsible. Um, and so when I say we stand on the shoulders of giants, I recognize that, you know, you might have never heard of the Freedom's Journal. Um, but you will hear about it today. They deserve every bit of this way black history fact. And we are grateful to them, hopefully in the future, in 30 years, in 100 years, someone looks back on what we're doing right now and is grateful for what we're doing. Um, and really, we're, we, we're here right now. We're not trying to think too far back, too far in the future. We have to obviously keep a, an eye on both of those things. But hopefully, we're doing we're doing right by you our listener right now people that are engaging with us right now we think that's more important than anything but i'll read <laughs> uh founded on march 16th 1827 as a four page four column standard sized weekly freedom's journal was the first black owned and operated newspaper in the united states and was established the same year that slavery was abolished in new york state begun by a group of free black men in new york city the paper served to counter racist commentary published by the mainstream news. Samuel E. Cornish and John B. Russworm served respectively as its senior and junior editors. Freedom's Journal was similar to other antebellum reform papers in that its pages consisted of news, of current events, anecdotes, and editorials, and was used to address contemporary issues such as slavery and colonization a concept which was conceived by members of the American Colonization Society, a mostly white pro-immigration organization founded in 1816 to repatriate free black people to Africa. Initially opposed to colonization efforts, Freedom's Journal denounced slavery and advocated for black people's political rights, the right to vote, and spoke out against lynchings. Freedom's Journal provided its readers with regional, national, and international news, 
and with news that could serve to both entertain and educate. It sought to improve conditions over for the over 300,000 newly freed black men and women living in the North. The newspaper broadened readers' knowledge of the world by featuring articles on such countries as Haiti and Sierra Leone. As a paper of record, Freedom's Journal published birth, death, and wedding announcements. To encourage black achievement, it featured biographies of renowned black figures, such as Paul Cuffey, a black Bostonian who owned a trading ship staffed by free black people, Toussaint L'Overture, and poet Phyllis Wheatley. The paper also printed school, job, and housing listings. At various times, the newspaper employed between 14 to 44 agents to collect and renew subscriptions, which cost $3 per year. One of its agents, David Walker, from Boston, eventually became the writer of David Walker's Appeal, which called for slaves to rebel against their masters. Freedom's Journal was soon circulated in 11 states, the District of Columbia, Haiti, Europe, and Canada. A typical advertisement cost between 25 to 75 cents. Russ Worm became sole editor of Freedom's Journal following the resignation of Cornish in September 1827 and began to promote the colonization movement. The majority of the newspaper's readers did not support the paper's radical shift in support of colonization, and in March 1829, Freedom's Journal ceased publication. Soon after, Russ Worm emigrated to the American Colonization Society of Liberia and became governor of the Maryland colony. Cornish returned and attempted to re revive the newspaper in May 1829 under the new name, The Rights of All, but the paper folded after less than a year. Freedom's Journal's two-year existence, however, helped spawn other papers. By the start of the Civil War, over 40 black-owned and operated newspapers had been established throughout the United States. Um, and... I, you know this tradition continues today uh in fact um i want to shout out sheen magazine i want to shout out uh the kansas city defender um these are black owned media publications you know um earlier today uh q and myself and maggie b knowing we do <laughs> we had to uh, interview with you know these black owned media outlets about what it is we're doing here um and you know i cannot stress how important that is and then hopefully you start to see that in this space in a broadcast space you know there's lots of newspapers there's lots of television shows there's lots of podcasts but on the radio you know on hip-hop radio you know there's i'm, I'm not going to pretend like there's not a lot of radio shows that deal with black issues but on hip-hop radio there's really not a lot of content like this and again, that's where we're going to find a good amount of our allies. And so this blueprint, this format obviously continues to this day. And it's still very much in use for people who are very engaged, um, people who value stories that don't make their way to CNN, but are just as monumental or pivotal or necessary. Um, as some of those other stories. And, you know, this is certainly an example of, you know, if we don't tell our stories, who will? And how will they tell them? Will they be accurate? And if we don't celebrate our wins, then perhaps no one will. 
And so um, while we have the opportunity to do so on our second birthday here, again, we want to salute Freedom's Journal um, for paving the way for all black media, true um, news media, certainly. Um, and uh, we're grateful that we get to, again, stand on the shoulders of those giants. And, and I'm grateful I get to do it with you, man. Likewise, I am man. excessively proud of your vision and ingenuity. Likewise, and taking what felt like a failed space and turning it into something that that might have some impact on bringing forth this change that you and our producer seem to be a little bit more hopeful about actually happening than me sometimes. Yeah. But again, we talk about balance in our placement and that uh, I think that's required. So grateful for you, thankful for you and uh, appreciate the opportunity to sit in the second chair. I, I appreciate the opportunity as well. And that's going to do it for us for our second anniversary show. So uh, once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. Uh, once again, you guys, uh, you guys make us where we are. So thank you. And until next week, y'all. Peace. Stepping the borders with press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander, here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show. Get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and reset.